Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. It is the best time of year. Conference tournament week, postseason college baseball is here. I'm Stephen Igo, the host of the podcast, publisher of hoistthecolors.net. Joined, as always, by Jonathan Wagner and Scott Lorbatcher, who's back on bottom. <laughs> Unlike Friday's show, 94-3 the game, we were all on an equal playing field. Uh, but, guys, this is the show we've been waiting for. Uh, can't wait to get into this. When the when we have a few more people join, I'll wait a few minutes, but we're going to have a contest, and we're going to give out some free VIP subscription, potentially, so potentially, if anybody can make some uh, correct predictions. But as always, we're live on YouTube. We're live on Twitter. We're live on Facebook. I just want to say I went back and, and noticed last week on Twitter that some people were leaving comments. We do not get the Twitter comments, so please, if you have a comment, drop it on YouTube or Facebook. Um, it comes through our StreamYard that way. So if you want to participate in the uh, the contest or get your question read, please join us on YouTube and Facebook. Not that I have disrespect for Twitter, but that's just the way it is. Uh, well, guys, we got a lot to discuss. We'll talk about the conference tournament, what it means for ECU's hosting possibilities. But first off, uh, Scott, we could finally say ECU is regular season champion. It went down to the wire a lot closer than past years. But once again, ECU finishes the American on top in the regular season. Yeah, it's a great feeling to be a champion. And you can be a champion, too, if you share the stream on Facebook. <laughs> uh, but Well done. Uh, well done. <laughs> yeah. You know, waiting to the end. Um, you know, glad we got to, to play that morning game and get a little baseball and coffee in um, before I actually had to, to get off to uh, Winston-Salem to go to a baby shower. So that's another thing. But, um, you know, conference champions for the fourth straight year have won either the regular season or the tournament in five consecutive seasons. Um, you know, kind of kind of a weird year this year where Houston doesn't lose a single conference series, beats every team in the conference, and we still end up conference champs. But when you break up the brooms like the Pirates have done this year, that's kind of how it goes. And it's every game matters. Um, and every game mattered this year more than most. The power of the broom, it overcomes two series losses, including the team. That EC loss head to head with to beat them out by half a game. We'll never know if they would have played that third Wichita State game if they would have tied ECU and won the uh, the share of the crown or not. But 
Uh, Jonathan Wagner, you're following the Canes game. You're multitasking. So give us a Canes update and also uh, discuss your thoughts on, on the Pirates conference regular season title. I think we all predicted it in the preseason, but I don't think anybody really predicted Houston to be right there all along. Yeah, well, first of all, the Canes are 0-0. And if I'm remembering correctly, every time we've done this this season where I've multitasked with the Canes, it, it, I'll just say it's gone well. So I'm hoping to God that happens again tonight. But as for ECU, I think it was just – this past week was – it was kind of a roller coaster, I think. You know, coming off the Campbell loss, I think – to me, I was kind of like, oh, well, the hosting chances are done. But then you kind of get into the weekend and you win Thursday and then you win Friday. And you wait, I wake up on Saturday and I'm kind of like, all right, we've got a shot. And for the first time, I think for me in a couple of weeks, I really started to feel like, you know, it's possible. And I think just looking back on the season as a whole, winning the regular season. And we, we've talked a lot about this year about how the American isn't really that good. There's not a lot of great teams. But in the end, yeah, ECU had to scrape its way to a regular season conference title. And I've mentioned this before, but the team, the team hasn't, there has not been one single game this season where ECU has been fully healthy, whether it's Ryan McChrystal's back, whether it's Trey Savage, whether it's Justin Wilcoxon's back or so on Jacob Starling lately, you, the list goes on really through almost every player on the roster. So the fact that they have been able to accomplish what they have this season, I think is really impressive and they deserve to be praised for that. So I'm glad they finished on top in the regular season, but now the work's just getting started. The numbers are popping on our stream, YouTube, Facebook Live. So I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there now before we dive into the questions. All right, here's the deal. Three free months of VIP on the line. If you can correctly uh, guess what ECU's regional destination will be next Monday. So what I need is if you think ECU is going to host, you need to give me what overall seed you think they'll be. If you think they're going to go on the road to a road regional, where do you think they're heading? Uh, obviously, to what destination and to what team? You know, clearly it's probably going to be the same. Obviously, Conway, Coastal Carolina, Durham, Duke, Columbia, South Carolina, if they even host Wake Forest, Winston-Salem, et cetera. So that's what I need. And for the people that get it right, if you just say ECU host and you don't give me a number, uh, I can't count that. Uh, and then I do need the exact location. If you think ECU is going to be a two-seed, where do you think they're going? So give us that information in the chat. And at the end of the show, I'll write them all down. And then next week, we'll see if anybody gets it right. And if so, you'll get three free months VIP subscription. All right, guys, let's get into it. We got a ton of questions already. <laughs> we might be here a while, um, which is awesome. Uh, we, we already got some people talking about the conference tournament or the conference, all conference snub. So let's get into that discussion to start off with. Somebody says, you know, the Josh Moreland, how did he, how does he not get first team the disrespect? So you got several situations here. You got Josh Moreland who should have been first team uh, somewhere. I guess the, did the, you know, the Justin Murray kid got it from Houston. Who's got great numbers. You know, the pro and he probably needs to be a first team pick. I guess the issue is he's kind of like a two way guy. So could, could they not have stuck him at utility or something and given Josh Moreland first team, uh, first baseman? I don't know. I honestly haven't looked too hard at the list, but Josh Moreland deserves to be a first teamer. The other one, of course, Danny Bill and Wyatt Lunchford Shinkman deserve recognition. I thought we were talking off air prior, guys. It's hard for, for relievers to get that love was that you scott or you wags who made that point yeah that was me they only had one relief pitcher on the first team so yeah. it's kind of like you know if you're only going to have one spot it makes it really tough 
Yeah, it's it's just you know, and I I do I, I'm not a huge fan of the conferences that give out like three, four teams. Like at that point, you just throw in everybody a bone. So I like the fact they do two teams, two all conference teams, and a, and a freshman team. Like Phil Steele does like eight preseason all conference teams just to get as much headlines as possible, and it works. But uh, you know. At the end of the day, ECU got 11 players on the all-conference team, which is a program record, WAG. So did you have any big issue with anybody being left off? And it was still a good representation. It's hard to get every single thing right. Yeah, I mean, the the second team all at AAC is pretty much purple. And, you know, you love to see that. You love to see the recognition. But I, I do think it's tough for Danny Beal and White Lunch for Chinkman. But personally, I'm more surprised by White Lunch for Chinkman just because I feel like he was more consistent throughout the season. He had a really hot start, and even when he cooled off a little bit and he got hit around a little bit, his numbers stayed looking pretty good. Danny Beal, on the other hand, he had a slow start. It wasn't until later until a year when he kind of turned it on, but you you can't deny what he did down the stretch. And personally, I think I would have probably flipped Josh Moylan and Jacob Jenkins-Cowart. I think I probably would have Josh Moylan on the first team in that DH role, and you squeeze JJC in on the second team, I just think Josh Moylan was a little more consistent this year. But, you know, it, it's nice seeing that much recognition, and it's deserved. The guys that are on there deserve it for ECU. But it, it's tough to get everyone in. There's going to be snubs every year. But let's be real. It, at the very least, we're not talking about a, a Thomas Francisco type of snub like we were a few years ago. So that's a plus. And I think it was – was it Jenkins Coward that got left off last year? Yeah, it was think, him last year yeah. and Moylan the year before that. And I think Francisco was the season before right. that because it was yeah. the, the year that the season didn't happen. And then 2019 was Francisco, I believe. There's always one. And, uh, hey, but that person usually has a pretty good conference tournament. So, looking forward to seeing Josh Moylan hit five homers. Looking forward to Danny Bill once again going six and a third scoreless baseball and uh Wyatt Lunsford Schinkman is definitely getting the save to clinch the conference championship. All right. Um let's get into the questions. Brandon Carr says, What's up, fellas? My bad. I missed y'all the past few weeks. Yeah, Brandon, you've been slacking, man. What do you think I'm drinking? Uh <laughs> Austin Carl Voss says, Do y'all think it's as simple as we win the conference tournament and host or need a little help as well? All right. This is the theme of the podcast. We'll get into it. Is the conference tournament title do or die for ECU to host? <sighs> Such a long discussion. Again, there's so many factors in play, and we could talk about this for an hour in itself. But I think for ECU to assure itself a hosting spot, they have to win the championship. I don't think 45 and 15 double champ ECU is going to get denied no matter how strong the hosting bubble is i just don't think you can say hey we're going to send 45 win ecu to a a road regional like that i just don't think that's going to happen so to assure it i think they do have to win it and if they do win it i just don't think they can get denied before i get too deeper into the discussion i'll get y'all's take uh we'll start with scott your thoughts there yeah i think i think like you said 45 and 15 and a team that's hosted four straight years it would be hard to to turn down but um yeah, and if we don't win the conference tournament, you are going to have to hope that these fringe SEC teams and ACC teams that are maybe borderline hosts, the Dukes, Boston Colleges, South Carolinas, Tennessees, you got to hope they're, you know, two and through or one and done, depending on their conference tournament. You better hope that 
DBU and Indiana State fall out quickly, even Campbell. Um, and then uh, if, if Southern Miss or Indiana makes a run to their conference championship, then, you know, you, you may still be on the outside end. So the, the surefirest way to be a host is, is to win it all. And even then, I think you still want to kind of scoreboard watch. And, you know, you don't want a South Carolina or uh, maybe an Alabama to run through the SEC tournament, get to the finals or win it all, because then I think they're hosting. And, you know, as that bubble starts to get smaller and smaller, the resumes get more and more difficult to stack up against. It would be absolute chaos, and I don't really want this to happen, but if somehow ECU won the American tournament, Dallas Baptist won the CompUSA tournament, Southern Miss won the Sunbelt tournament, uh, Indiana State won its tournament. If you had all that happen, Campbell winning this tournament, I don't know what the committee would do. You know, all that's probably not going to happen. But I, I think, honestly, they'd be forced to squeeze out some of these SEC, ACC teams like Boston College or SEC you know, teams that are on the bubble like South Carolina, um, as well as Alabama, et cetera. So definitely keep your eye on those games. We'll get into maybe some of the games to watch uh, that have potential impact on ECU. But, Jonathan, do you feel if ECU wins the conference tournament, they will host a regional? I'm not confident enough to say that just because I I don't know what the committee is going to value this year. And we can look at all the numbers we want, but in the end, I think – and to the original question, do I think the conference tournament is for hosting is win it or bust? I do. I do think if ECU falls short of winning it, and I think winning it out of the winner's bracket, I don't think ECU has a path to host personally. And But on the other side, I do think if, if ECU, even if ECU does win it, they win it out of the winner's bracket, they go 45 and 15, I still think you're, you have to scoreboard watch. I still don't think that's a guarantee. And, and let me just clarify this. I, I, If I was making a bracket based on my personal beliefs in my – as unbiased as I possibly could be, which I'm obviously a little biased, but just looking at the resume, ECU 45-15, and 15, double champion, the American, that's a hosting caliber resume for me. And but and I just lost my track of thought just because there's there, – there's so many different factors that could happen here. But would I have ECU as a host as a double champion – pretty much regardless of what else happens across the country. Yes, I would, but it doesn't work how I want it to. And it, it doesn't work how I think it should. So I think we're scoreboard watching pretty much no matter what. So ECU last year, I'm trying to do this on the fly here. How many wins did they finish with in the regular season guys? Do y'all have that number? Uh, yeah. One second. I it right here. Um, they went, Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So take eight off uh, 38 uh, wins in the regular season. So 38 wins in the regular season. Obviously, they swept the conference tournament. That made it 42. So, you know, we're talking about an ECU team with 41 wins now. And I do think the hosting bubble is much stronger this year. But, you know, last year, ECU went two and seven top 50. This year, they're four and six. And that's not a good number. But it, I think. Yeah, I mean, it just comes down to what is the committee going to value? Like, we don't know. Last year, it was non-conference strength of schedule, which for whatever reason is not being discussed a whole lot. You know, like when you listen to the nerd cast from D1 Baseball and these guys, and listen, they do a great job. But they're guessing just like we are. At the end of the day, they don't really know. You know, they're pointing to the top 50 metric a whole bunch. 
Well, last year, the committee valued conference championships and non-conference strength of schedule. Well, if they're going to do that again, ECU's non-conference strength of schedule is 13, non-conference RPI 10, overall strength of schedule 53. So I think the metrics are there based on last year, and you do have several of the same committee members. It's just a matter of are they going to just up and change their mind if they want more SEC host over teams like ECU and Indiana State that have really good non-conference strength of schedule. So at the end of the day, you know, we can debate all this and that's what we're doing because it's fun, but ECU's got to win. It's that simple. They got to put themselves in a position to where they can't be denied. And you do that by winning the conference tournament. I personally think they won't be denied if they're 45 and 15, 16, whatever, and have two conference championships with the reputation of the school, but it's the NCAA nothing would surprise me. So uh, any other thoughts here before we continue on with, uh, some further questions? Yeah, I know um, RPI has been discussed a lot. We were 25th in the RPI going into the conference tournament last year and ranked 23rd. And I think we had at that point won um, like 14 games in a row. And then we finished off with, a, what, an 18-game win streak um, that ended in the regional round. But, I mean, we did have a big badge – with the nation's longest win streak last year that we're not going to obviously have this year. Um, so maybe the difference in seven wins is enough to make that up. But as far as RPI, I know I've seen a lot of people talk about that, but if we win all four of our games in the conference tournament and other teams lose and don't have games to play, then it, it should come up some, I don't think it'll get to, I think we ended last year at like eight or something like that, but it, I don't think it'll get that high, but it should be better than what it is now. Yeah, I think top 20 with the two conference titles, you feel pretty good. If for whatever reason it sticks in the mid-20s, it's a little worrisome. But um, hopefully it just sucks the American is such a bad RPI league. But all those teams are still pretty grouped together. So if you get some losses in front of you, that's going to – you know, you're going to leap them as long as you win and hold ground. All right, let's move on. Uh, the way he drew it up says to Chris in the chat, it's a fine line between being a politician and doing coach speak during post-game interviews, but I particularly appreciated Cliff Goblin's interview after that Campbell loss. Um, I mean, Cliff, yeah, he was – I felt like he was very fair after that game. He uh, he was pissed at the defense, basically, for making some errors and said it was a, a great game. I don't know if he said it was a great game, but it was a crazy game. Um, you know, we haven't really talked about that. We didn't even talk about that much on Friday, guys, but that was – that's a game I'll always remember. Um, I know that y'all y'all probably feel the same. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, – I started off the game just – I was in my apartment watching it before I got off work, and I actually ended up at Subdogs for the end of it just since the game kind of dragged on for almost four and a half hours, which you haven't seen that this year. But, yeah, it was just – it was a back-and-forth game. It was – a game that was full of defensive miscues, some great offense, some not so great pitching on both sides, but then also some clutch pitching in some moments. And it you, you never knew what was happening. It was every inning some you had a different vibe. And you got to the end and it was kind of it was kind of a crushing loss a little bit for me just watching it there. It, it was a it was a postseason game. That's what it was. And I mean the loss definitely sucked, but it, I agree, it was definitely one of those games. I'm going to remember that one for a while. And it just – I think this camp, all those Campbell games were so close every game this year. And just losing that one, it was a real heartbreaker, especially the way that it kind of happened. But there's just a thrilling aspect of it 
it was kind of a glimpse into the postseason because in case you're not aware, that's how I think most games are going to be once you do get into the postseason. And Scott, we've had this conversation a lot, but it's just like, what if, man, what if ECU could have won even one of those Campbell games, but certainly two, you know, what if they could have won the NC State game or the other UNC game? It just, it feels like those were such huge swing RPI games. And unfortunately, that's why ECU is where they are right now in the mid-20s. Seven of our top 50 games were one-run games, and we went two and five. Uh, Obviously, we won the two UNC games early in the year. And then five losses, and I think four, three of those on the road, two at home, all to in-state teams. And, you know, looking back at last year, I don't think we had a single one-run loss in the top 50 losses that we had. So, you know, I would hope that when the committee is comparing teams, they're looking at not just, you know, oh, they had five top 50 or, excuse me, six top 50 losses. They're like, okay, well, they lost. Of the six, they lost five of them by one run. Um, you know, maybe then you look at Indiana State and see that their top 50 games weren't as close or Dallas Baptist and their games weren't as close either. Um, you know, where a ball that just stays up on the center fielder gets caught instead of goes over his head or or whatever it might be that can turn the game on a dime. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of what ifs this season for a team that still won 41 games. If you're just joining us, we uh, we announced earlier we're having a contest for our viewers. If you're live streaming, live streamers only, guess in the comments section on YouTube or Facebook where you think ECU will be this postseason. If you think they'll host, let us know you think they'll host and what overall seed they'll be. If you think they're going to be on the road, what seed? Yeah, probably a two-seed, obviously. But where do you think they'll go for the regional? If anybody correctly guesses it, you get three months free. VIP. All right, back to the comments. Dave Englert says, how do we feel about the it's tough to beat a team four times in a row mantra? And guys, uh, if if ECU, you know, they, ha- they haven't lost to anybody in their side of their bracket. So if they're going to make it to the conference championship, um, obviously they could do so in the loser's bracket. But if they're going to have a clean sweep, they're going to finish the year undefeated against Cincinnati, UCF, and obviously USF. How do we feel about the it's tough to beat a team four times in a row mantra? We'll start with Jonathan. What do you think as far as this rematching at South Florida? Yeah, I think that's a very valid comment, and I'm a firm believer in that. It is very hard to team hard to beat a team four times in a row. It's hard to beat a team six times in a row, though, and ECU did that at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a different team than South Florida. but And I think it, it adds a little more pressure this time because I think tomorrow against South Florida is the most important game in the tournament for ECU winning that first game is everything. If you lose that game, you play again on Wednesday and then your whole pitching situation just gets kind of thrown because then you might have to move guys up, move guys up on short rest, which I don't, I don't like moving around, moving stuff around if you don't have to going into a regional type atmosphere. So I think beating a team four times in a row is very, very hard. And I think USF, they showed that they can play ECU close this weekend you know, so I, it's not going to be a breeze by game. So if you're expecting that, you, I think you're going to be disappointed. But it's going to be a tight game, and it's a very important game, and it's one that I think ECU really has to win. All right, Chris Allen says, if ECU wins the conference tournament and we don't get a hosting spot, does the NCAA hate having 6,000 fans on TV for college baseball and growing the sport? Um, I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories here. Look, 
the NCAA last year, I thought ECU did ECU a big favor with the national seeds. So I don't think we can complain, but so much. But I will be the first to say if ECU wins the conference tournament, and assuming what I, you know, the scenario we ran over earlier doesn't happen, and if they don't get a hosting spot, I'll be the first to call them out. I'm sure that uh, Scott will be tweeting at Kendall Rogers uh, and Clemson. <laughs> Clemson fans, uh, you've been stirring it up on Twitter lately, Scott. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've been enjoying that. But, yeah, I think, look, at VCU, we'll see what happens. But, I think, again, if they put themselves in that position, it's going to be very tough. You know, the NCAA makes a good amount of money on that as well. So, we'll see what happens. I don't think Indiana State's bringing in 6,000 fans, um, nor Duke, unless they just want to send ECU – uh, to Duke's regional. Um, general thoughts on D1's projection. Sam Anderson, former Hoist the Colors legend, uh, chiming in. Uh, we can get in this discussion quickly, guys. ECU, by the way, going to Auburn. I don't think anybody has guessed that in the comments section, so if that comes true, I'll be keeping the three free months of VIP. Um, do we think there's any chance they end up at Auburn? I, I – no, <laughs> I think I don't know. It's just so it's so tough to say. Just as you still don't know who's hosting, like yeah. I feel like a team like South Carolina is looking more and more likely if South Carolina holds on to host. And as we talked about before, I do my most every Monday. I do my projections and I do my full field of sixty four. And today I kind of went through the conference tournament and I use what I think is going to happen in those conference tournaments to build my projections. And mine ended up it being it was very similar to D one. I had I think we had sixty three of the sixty four same teams, which is I was shocked. You're basically, an expert. That that's what I, that's what I'm hearing. I know you know, but in my projection, I had South Carolina as the sixteen seed. I think they're going to win a couple games, but I think other teams elsewhere are going to win a couple games. So I had ECU in South Carolina's regional, which was the sixteenth. Which who knows? But but I think general thoughts. I just think. The bubble to host is very strong this year, and the bubble to get in the tournament is very, very weak. And I, I struggle to come up with teams to put into my field, like in that 60th spot, 61st spot, down to 64. So I think that's kind of – I think the flip, the script might be flipped a little bit compared to what it was last year, like Stephen mentioned earlier, where it's just so – it's so tight in the 16, the 12 to 24 range. I feel like it's very neck and neck. So – there's a lot that can happen. It's a tight race, but it's not a tight race to get in. But for ECU, it's very tight. But, yeah. Scott, did anything stand out about the, the D1 baseball projection to you? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at that that pocket there, you know, the 12th seed at Auburn and 5th seed at Stanford, you see both us and UNC cross from each other as two seeds. I think both of us could potentially win our regionals if that scenario happens. Uh, and then you're looking at a bid off to host either in a super in Chapel Hill or a super in Greenville, which would be, I think, pretty fun, um, you know, that discourse. But Auburn is just 14 games over 500 this year. They're 33, 19, and one. Uh, Wake Forest is 15 games over in their league. So um, that's a little perspective on that. But, um, you know, I have a hard time with teams under 35 wins hosting. So to me, I think Auburn would need to win a couple games in Hoover to get to a host spot. I know there are RPIs there, but it seems like this year in particular, 
the uh, the D1 guys are really hung up on RPI and top 50 wins. And I think it's human nature to be a little contrarian. And with um, the, the kind of the whole RPI thing the last few years with the committee where teams are now starting to, you know, just obviously duck opponents at the end of the year to help their RPI, maybe they dial back the, the reliance on RPI this year and start looking at things like, you know, maybe road record, which wouldn't help ECU, but it, I think is a fair metric. Um, the human polls, maybe they have a factor. ECU is, is pretty well represented there, except for the one we don't talk about. And then, you know, your last 15, your last 20 games, you know, which is favorable to ECU and not favorable to a team like South Carolina, who has lost four consecutive series um, in the SEC. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at Auburn, and they have finished strong, but they've, you know, benefited from playing some weaker teams. Ole Miss, Missouri, they've won six straight SEC games. They actually won eight straight. They took the series over LSU, took the series from South Carolina. I mean, they have won five straight SEC series, but again, 33 wins is light. I mean, that's light to me. If they lose to Missouri in the first round of the SEC tournament, I just, I like you said, is a 33, 20, and one team really going to host, especially as a 12 seed? Right. Um, I guess yeah. they're projecting Auburn to make a run. Yeah, but I think uh, I'm glad you just mentioned that com that comment about playing the SEC teams because I look at a team like Kentucky who struggled a little bit early. They still finished with a pretty good, I think, 16 SEC wins, but Kentucky was in that same boat a couple months ago or a month ago where they, I think, were on pace. If they would have lost the series, I think it may have been Vanderbilt, but if they would have lost that one, it would have been seven straight SEC series losses. And at that point, Kentucky was not a host. And – now that Kentucky ended the season on a couple, on a high note, you know they're right there. But then you look at Auburn; it's that's just how the schedule played out. They played the tough teams early, and they played the really crappy teams late. And there are some really crappy teams in the SEC at the bottom in the basement there. So yeah, I think that's a it, it's recency bias it, that plays a factor. But the, just playing that type of schedule, it you know it's it's tough, and it's it's all about timing. And for Auburn, they're peaking at the right time. I agree. I. I per again, if I'm making my projections based on my personal beliefs, I don't have Auburn as a host. But if I'm going based on what I think will happen, just for that reason, I think they're getting in, and I don't agree with it. Yeah, I mean, if Auburn makes it to like the SEC tournament weekend and they're playing in the semifinals, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, 17 wins in the SEC is is no joke. Uh, but again, if they, you know, for ECU's sake, hopefully they go out and stumble tomorrow and ECU takes care of business, but. Um, it just feels like there's so much that can swing. Like if, if South Carolina goes on a run, they could go from being on the hosting bubble to back to being cemented in. I mean, it's just – there's a lot to watch there, which we'll get into maybe here in a little bit. All right, back to some of the comments. Christian Bateman says, do you think ECU will do anything differently heading into tomorrow? He says, does Nate Christman stay in the batting lineup? By the way, Christian, good to meet you at the last home game. Some dude uh, walked up to me after the Campbell game, it was like, hey, do you know who I am? And I was like, no. He's like, I'm Christian Bateman. I was like, all right, man, good to, good to put a uh, put a name to a face. I appreciate your, all your, your comments on Twitter and the live stream, Christian. Um, I think with Starlin back in, guys, uh, Christian is still going to be that same guy off the bench. Um, do you all anticipate anything different tomorrow? It sounds like South Florida will again throw – uh, Siebert, who, who we saw on the Thursday game when Root started, pitched pretty well early, but, you know, hittable right-handed guy. I think we'll see 
Nolan Hootie first out of the bullpen, I would assume, for the Bulls. But do you all anticipate anything differently tomorrow? I think probably not, as in your your nine man, your nine men in the rotation. But I'll be interested to see if, for the first time, I think, ever this past weekend, we saw Jacob Jenkins Cower play left field. And I, I thought he looked good out there. He, he didn't make any mistakes out there, I didn't think, that I saw. So I'll be interested to see if that sticks and Luke Nowak stays at DH or if that flips back and kind of – I want to see how that kind of flips around, especially as the tournament goes on and you start playing more and more games. But other than that, I don't anticipate anything. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, JJC in left field instead of right. And that allows you to uh, keep Cunningham and right and have Nowak um, DH. Um, maybe we'll see Starling move back up the lineup. I don't know how healthy he, he is now. If he's, if he's feeling a lot better, maybe you see him back in the two hole instead of the nine hole. Um, but I think it's your nine main guys that have kind of rode the end of this season. So I think you stick with them, especially in game one, because you got to win that one. Good chance. We'll see a big, uh, Cam Claunch pitch hit at some point. I mean, that dude has gotten every big pinch hit opportunity. And by the way, has delivered more times than not whether it be with a walk. His patience in those at-bats is great. He, he seems to always not be too amped up, which is very hard to do as a pinch hitter. So uh, I guess I'll have to predict another Cam Clonch big spot in, in our bold predictions at the end of the show. Um, JPN says the Campbell loss, if we are not hosting, will be the reason why we are on the road. Yeah, I mean, I think all three losses, not just the most recent one. But again, you know, I, I think there's a way to overcome that. We got into that discussion. It'll just be really interesting to see what the committee does if both Campbell and ECU sweep their conference tournaments and have like the same resume. Is it possible they both host? You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on what other teams do. Um, but we'll see. Uh, let's see here. Chuck says if we win the tournament. I think we're a 16 seed. Win it, play Wake for the right to go to Omaha. I'm not gonna lie, guys. I know Wake Forest is nasty. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get back on the the Wake Forest hate train. But there's, you know, if ECU is towards the bottom of the hosting mix, if they win the tournament, I would rather be matched up with Wake than Arkansas or Florida, some of these SEC teams. Am I crazy in saying that? What do y'all think? No, I think you're right because I think, you know, Wake Forest hasn't been there the way some of the SEC teams have. Um, I did see uh, a mock draft by, I think, Baseball America or somebody like that that had Rhett Louder going to my Reds. So that would be kind of cool to get to see him play. That is the case. But the other thing is in the last eight um, tournaments, the uh, one seed has only gone to Omaha four times. Um, they've only won their regional six of those times, and then they've lost in the Supers uh, two two more times. So, you know, I wouldn't think that just being a one seed automatically sends uh, you to Omaha, and I don't want anyone else to think that either because even last year, you look at a Notre Dame uh, upsetting Tennessee on the road in Tennessee um, to send them home. And then the year before that, it was the same thing with uh, NC State, who lost by 127 in game one to Arkansas and then came back and won the next two games, um, which I don't think I've ever seen a run differential that bad for a team that won a regional but or a super regional. But, yeah, I don't think I don't think I've seen a lot of that. Well, oh, if we have to play Wake, that's like a death sentence. And I don't I don't think that's true at all. Uh, I think, you know, you're going to play a good team in the second round no matter what. So 
I'd much rather host and play Wake than be on the road for both rounds. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, there's a good chance if there's a North Carolina team hosting that's not ECU, maybe they're the 16th seed and ECU's there and you're in the same scenario. So um, I also wouldn't mind ECU being matched up with Stanford. I know that's a long trip if they win, but I think that's a winnable super. But, yeah, anywhere in the SEC – I'm scared, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, <laughs> and I and I think too, if we if we go to a super regional on Wake, it, that's a home crowd for ECU, and and I I think going to an atmosphere like a an Arkansas, Florida, and LSU potentially that that's something that we haven't seen before. Even going yeah. date, dating all the way back to you know Vanderbilt, I think those schools atmosphere wise are in a completely different stratosphere. So I think yeah, I I'd, I think I'd rather have Wake, which it might sound crazy, but I think I'd rather that for those reasons. All right. Chris Allen says our metrics are better than last year. We got an eight seed and we may not get a 16 seed this year. I'm not buying it. You know, several factors there. We talked about the hosting bubble. We talked about the 20 game win streak or whatever it was at the time, 18 um, or whatnot. So I think those two things really helped. And I also think uh, just, you know, just the way that things unfolded and also the metrics the committee picked. So all that this year is different. And so you just don't know. And to give yourself the best chance possible, win the tournament, leave no doubt as much as possible. Um, Michael Hackett says, any idea how Oregon State is being thrown around as a potential host solely because they are needing a second West Coast host? Uh, so Aaron Fit loved the guy talk to him he is all about Oregon State and I just want to say this and y'all can have y'all's piece on it too if you want to be considered a host for a regional as a West Coast team don't schedule Coppin State in Western Carolina as your non-conference series Oregon State didn't even win the Pac-12 they have the 236th non-conference strength of schedule 30 RPI if they host without winning the Pac-12 tournament, guys, I'm going to be upset whether it affects ECU or not. I, I just think just because of their location, they should not host. Thoughts, Scott? Well, I think if they win the Pac-12 tournament, you're going to look at them playing a lot of top 50 RPI teams on a neutral side. Um, so they probably would get back into the top 20. And then I think the consideration actually makes sense. But yeah, I, I do agree that if this was a – Cal State Fullerton and the Big West, I think is the league they're in. But if that league was, you know, a two or three bid league and they finished in second by five games and were 30th in the RPI, there's zero chance we would be talking about. It. And it's a it's all to do with that the power five label that has crept its way into college baseball. And I think it before a second or a second Pac 12 team gets a hosting bid. I'd, honestly, I'd rather just give a bid to the Big 12. If we're going to just go straight off Power 5, then let's let one of these Midwest teams that has to travel for the first month of the year, no matter what, um, have a host site, as opposed to just rewarding a team for being, you know, historically a good program and just being in the middle of the, the West Coast because there's nobody else out there that has anywhere near deserving, you know, metrics or anything like that. Jonathan, did you consider Oregon State as a host in your your uh, projections? 
Not even for a second. And I think, and, and I will say in previous weeks I have, and I've had them as a host previously, but just at this point with where they sit in the RBI, they're number 30 right now, according to Warren Nolan. And, but I think the other factor is when, and I'm, we're all nuts when it comes to this. We all spend probably way too much time looking at Definitely. RPI and brackets and that, but you know, it's that time of the year. I love it. And like, I project my field in my free time just for the fun of it. And, but I spend a lot of time on D one. I read pretty much everything that posts regarding the tournament. I scroll Twitter, talk, looking for tournament talk, all that stuff. And over the past two weeks, really going into this past weekend, you know, Washington started to get talked about as well. You know, if Washington has a good end of the year, then, you know, they could be that second West Coast host. And I'm like, you don't know that just that right there is what it should not be. It shouldn't be you need a second West Coast host. If you have a second team in the West Coast and they have a resume that's deserving of doing it, sure, they can host. I don't have a problem with it. But as it stands right now, Oregon State 30th RBI, like you said, 236 non-conference strength schedule. Washington, 33rd RPI, 33 and 16 overall, 227th non-conference RPI. That's, you shouldn't host solely based on location, and it's the same conversation we've had with so many teams being right in the Carolinas, the Virginias area. You know, Could that play a factor? It shouldn't. It should be about the best resumes and who deserves to get in there. And I, th- I think that's what it would be, but it's the same. You know, you could, you could keep going everywhere with this. Do you need a Northeast host? Do you need – Who's going to be your Texas host? You know, who's going to be the school out of there? If Texas host is that knock Dallas Baptist out because you don't need that Texas host anymore. So it's kind of annoying in my opinion, just looking at it like that, because that's not what it's, it should be about, but it is. Yeah. I mean, it, and the committee is human. So I'm sure that stuff comes up and it's, I don't know, easy to say, Hey, we need a, another West coast host to send, you see Irvine or whatever too, if they can't go to Stanford or Stanford. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure those things come up, but at the same time, it should just be strictly the 16 most deserving teams. And to me, a team that has a 236 non-conference rate of schedule, they didn't even try. I mean, Coppin State in Western Carolina, you can get two teams from non, you know, two East Coast teams that suck or <laughs> on their non-conference schedule. Like, what are we doing, guys? Um, so I don't think you reward them for that. Uh, by the way, this has nothing to do with anything, but when I did go to the Washington Huskies series years ago when ECU played them, ECU had just as many fans in Seattle, Washington, at the game as Washington. So there shows you uh, how much they care about college baseball in Seattle. Go Mariners. Um, <laughs> go Seattle <laughs> University. <laughs> go Seattle U. Uh, they probably had a better atmosphere. Sweet stadium, though. It's right on the the, uh, the sound, I believe. So it was cool. It's cool to see Bryant Packer just tear him up. Um, anyways, uh, JPN says, making sure I don't skip any comments here. Oh, yeah, before we get to that, Johnny Robertson stat guy says, the Pirates have currently won 23. Keith LeClaire, shout out, consecutive AAC games in May. That's uh, That's quite a run. Of course, dating back to to last year, I assume, and um, so ran through it last year. Hopefully, the Pirates keep it going through the conference tournament. Uh, JPN says cheer for Georgia over South Carolina, A and M over Tennessee, and Missouri over Auburn. And that gets underway tomorrow. Is that correct? The SEC tournament? Yeah, I believe ten thirty Eastern tomorrow is Georgia and South Carolina. I think that's the first one. I saw Georgia's getting back one of their stud pit- pitchers. Yep. 
And that and so the first round of the SEC is single elimination, and then it goes to double elimination. So if you yeah, if you're an ECU fan, let's say it, like I I mean I, I hate to say it, but if you're South Carolina, Tennessee, or Auburn, you lose on the first day, you're almost out of the hosting discussion just because it's so early in the week, and you just kind of eliminate yourself. So those are crucial games. If you're ECU, if two of those teams lose, I think you're in good, you know, pretty happy. Of course, you got to take care of your business. But even if one loses, I think that's a decent day um, for Pirate fans. Yeah, and if you're A&M, you have to win that game. I think if A&M loses, they might not make the tournament. So, you know, they have a lot more incentive to play for. Um, I think Georgia's pretty – I don't know if they're – are they out completely? They're They're out. They They only have 11 SEC wins. I don't think they're in it. Yeah. Uh, Going through the comments section, somebody says Justin Wilcoxon got snubbed. He was a second-team pick, could have been a first-team pick. Uh, Double dealing Danny Beal got shafted. Definitely all-conference worthy. Shout out Danny Bill, ECU's potential MVP, if you really break it down. Uh, Chris Allen says, ECU makes it to Omaha this year, whether we host or not. Does Omaha – didn't he already ask this? Yeah, yeah I remember this. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, is this deja vu? He just wanted to make sure that we he, we knew that he is still planning to burn down Omaha on the press. Chris, I just want to know, did you copy and paste this question from like – two months ago, or did you just retype <laughs> the same as that question? For those not uh, on YouTube, he says, if ECU makes it to Omaha this year, whether we host or not, does Omaha get burned to the ground and they have to cancel the College World Series moving forward? <laughs> Strong possibility for sure. Valid question. It is. It's completely valid. Um, Chuck, with a long question here, this may be more of an off-season Topic, he says, before I forget, can you go over a list of players that are eligible to get drafted? Um, I don't have the roster in front of me, but guys to worry about, Josh Moylan, I think, is is probably gone. Um, Josh Gross, Justin Wilcoxon, I would say, are probably your three best pro prospects. Um, Land again. Land again, I think, is a junior. Jacob Starlin is a junior. And there's a couple more, you know, Alec, Alec Makarevich, yeah, Carter Cunningham, Carter Cunningham. So those are kind of the guys who have eligibility left, but have a good shot to be drafted. I would not expect Moylan back. I wouldn't expect Gros back. I wouldn't expect Will Coxon back, just because, like, when you when you get to this point, if you're a player, you have to go when you have bargaining power. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to come back. So. We'll see. I don't want to speak for those guys, but I would not expect them back. And then the rest, we'll kind of see how it goes. Um, any thoughts there? What about a guy like Tyler Brock? Could you see him just moving on? from like Kind of like Ben Terwilliger last year, a guy who yeah. played a lot of college baseball and might just be ready to, yeah. to get to the next thing. Probably yeah, gets undrafted and gets a yeah. professional deal somewhere. You know, He throws hard that. enough. Somebody will sign him. I oh, mean, yeah. Not a lot of guys throw 96, 98, right? Yeah, right. so he could definitely get a the flyer. You know, he could come back and say, I want to improve my stock, and he maybe could. He's just not going to get paid a whole lot because he'll be right. a senior, I think, at that point. Um, all right. Luke Dover says, what is ECU's big biggest weakness on the resume? I think we've kind of talked about this, but lack of, of marquee wins and RPI kind of go hand in hand. Um, Scott, do you find any other black yeah. marks? I would put RPI up there, I, and I would say a a big road series win would be up there for me too. Yeah. I know we won one game in Chapel Hill, but 
we didn't really challenge ourselves on the road out of conference, despite having a good out of conference um, strength of schedule. Um, but on the weekend specifically, we didn't have a good road series win out of conference or even, you know, the UNC series is supposed to be home neutral road and it didn't work out that way. So um, that's probably the biggest ick I have on our schedule right now. All right. Um, Cincinnati, according to Johnny Robertson, is currently 152 in the RPI. He says if they can beat UCF tomorrow, they would likely move up, which would give us six additional quad three wins. Hopefully that could give us a slight RPI boost. Who knows for sure? Yeah, who knows for sure? I mean, I think ultimately Cincinnati, the better they finish, the better it is for ECU, but also UCF's way higher in the RPI. So would yeah. you get – would you guys rather play UCF or play Cincinnati again for an RPI perspective? That's a, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I feel like you might could get more points from Cincinnati winning due to the amount of wins over them, but UCF's higher. Yeah. So UCF's won 10. Um, if they beat Cincinnati, maybe they creep closer to that 100 mark and you get, you know, potentially if you play them twice, five wins over a, you know, a quad two team, um, Obviously, it's going to be tough because they'll have two wins and two losses. If they beat Cincinnati twice, maybe, um, and then ECU beats them twice, maybe they creep into that top 100. You know, obviously, it's so fluid with the teams around them. Um, yeah, I think my preferred path would be South Florida, Central Florida, Central Florida, and then obviously Houston is the, has the best rpi outside of us in the conference so them at 98 or whatever they are as the as the final team in the championship houston or wichita what who do y'all want revenge on more give well if i'm looking at on who do i think ecu matches better up against i think it's houston i personally i just i think wichita can hit too well and if we get if we manage to get matched up with peyton tolley on the mound then no no thank you give me houston Hard to beat a team four times. <laughs> I, I was about to say that with, um, you know, Cincinnati, well, UCF. Yeah. Back to Dave, Dave's comment, you know, it's hard to beat a team four teams in a row too. Yeah, well, we'd have to beat Cincinnati 37 <laughs> games in a row or whatever. Now. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, personally, I'd rather play Houston again. Um, I think Houston ECU won last time in the uh, conference championship. They've kind of – We've, it happens like every year. Yeah, it's it's been a lot, and they've gotten the better of us a few times. But hopefully, if we do play Houston, they lose a game, so they're on their like second baseman pitching again, like they were what last year, year before last. Yeah. Um. So I, I'll take Houston personally. Uh, Chris Allen with another comment, uh, not repeating himself this time. He says, "I I just want to add this: no matter our seed or where we play, to hell with every other team. Let's get to Omaha." Well said. And we talk, we're talking a lot about this hosting stuff because the fans want ECU to host. And it's a it's a great conversation because there's so much unknown. But I'll say this, even if ECU goes two and out in the tournament, which I never think is the, the worst thing in the world as far as resting arms and has to go on the road, depending on who they draw, I, I, I kind of like this ECU team even on the road to make a run. But we'll get into that when the time comes. Um the way he drew it up says great stats. Got seven top RPI losses by one run. Those seven RPI or seven top fifty games were decided by one yes. run. We lost five of them. So yep, two and five, two and five, and one run top fifty game. 
He says the committee needs to get their magnifying glass out. I'm going to say this. There's no chance in hell the committee's looking at that close. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong, but. Coach uh, would look at it right. that close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the way he drew it up, we got the depth of pitching that we haven't had in the past regarding the four times in a row mantra. Yeah, I mean, I think ECU clearly has the best pitching depth in the league. Nobody in the league has a good bullpen, right? I mean, who has a good bullpen? Nobody. No. Not ECU. That's why there's I'm no not, relief I, I, pitchers on yeah. the conference team. <laughs> I yeah. think it's it's disrespectful to ECU to even try to make an argument to anybody else. Yeah. Because the gap is that big. What what's the score to the Canes game? Somebody said twenty minutes ago Florida scored. Yeah, it is one nothing Florida. I believe second in a mission now. All right, we'll get you back for the third period. Most important hockey. We got Hey, don't forget the third overtime. Gosh. Let's not go not go there again. Please, no. Uh, um, Vandy canceled the other night, apparently, yet hours east. They play a game in Knoxville. Must have been a storm near Nashville. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's Every all, uh, it's all RPI-driven. Yeah. The only team that's ever had the courage to say that it was because of RPI was Texas A&M. Yeah. That is true. And good for them for just – and it got them a national seed. Is that right? Yeah. They uh, – yeah. That was what last year, right? And they yeah. were 22nd in the RPI, and uh, they were the sixth seed or something like that. So if you go out and admit it, they just give it to you uh, instead of uh, dancing around it. All right, so we're going to see Nolan Hootie, I think, on, on Tuesday. I would be shocked if USF didn't throw him. Uh, Chris Lehman says Hootie pitched a handful of innings. I would imagine if they pitch Hootie, he won't pitch long. So that was Friday's game, correct? They threw? Uh, I got it right here. Yeah, because yeah, Ethan Brown threw Saturday. Yeah. Yep. game. So, three days rest, right? Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He threw 95 pitches. Yeah, 95. Six innings, 95. So, that's a lot of pitches on three days rest, but he's going to throw in this game. If, there's a, if it's a close game, I would be stunned. Stunned. I mean, how could you not? He had ECU looking – I mean, all he threw was sliders and – Let's Fast let's be real. He, he's throwing nine to five pitches again too. He probably will. <laughs> That's just how it works. You know, yeah, so, stop tweeting at him because I saw some people tw- tweeted at him. Just leave him alone. Oh gosh, yeah, please. <laughs> don't piss him off. Let's he's clearly a player that plays on a, a motion. And yeah, he loves to fist pump after every single half inning. <laughs> By the way, that USF closer hit Moylan. I hope that we get that rematch. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like Moreland's just itching to, to play them again. Yeah. Uh, Claunch has the best eye on the team. The way he drew it up says he can draw a walk like no other. Yeah, he's had some great at-bats this year. Christian Bateman says best have a, a basketball pod next year. I'm planning on it. We're planning to get uh, Kaysen Ramele on, our intern. He's a big basketball guy, so we're going to try and do kind of a weekly basketball podcast later this summer, fall. Uh La la la! Trying to make sure we get Christian. Me. Christian saying you got to get him on. I think he he wants to guest guest appear on the pod. Christian, is that what you've you're met saying? Him in person Christian? now. You've met him yeah. in person. I've met you him. Know? Maybe he wants to intern. Uh, I think you have to. We're gonna add him to the list. <laughs> he's uh, here every week. Why not? Yeah, I mean he's he's dedicated, man. He's always the first to ask a question too. It doesn't matter if it's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. He's the first. So appreciate it, Christian. 
Uh, Sam Anderson, Hoisted Colors legend. Saw Wake in person when they play at UNCW. They are legit. Definitely lived up to the hype. But I do think they are beatable if you keep the bats in check. Uh, they can swing it. It'll be a tough, tough uh, matchup. If it comes to that, Dan Hunt, another former Hoisted Colors legend. Man, we're all out today. Uh, I think there's definitely a scenario where ECU and Campbell both win their conference tournaments, and Campbell essentially blocks ECU from hosting a regional. I mean, maybe if it comes down to that last spot, guys, it, if you're the committee and it does, it's hard not to say Campbell's 3-0 and record would, would surpass ECU. It's just, do they have the guts to say, screw Campbell, we want the money? Give me the Greenville Regional again. What do y'all think about this scenario? Yeah, I think it's 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 definitely valid. Personally, I have Campbell a little bit further off the hosting just after losing the USC Upstate this past weekend. But it, it all depends on what Campbell does in their conference tournament. If they breeze through it, they're, they're going to be in the discussion. And if it's down to ECU and Campbell, I think that Campbell does have the edge for that head-to-head alone. And obviously, it depends on where the RPI finalizes and stuff, but – yeah, it's a val- that's a valid comment. I think that's a real concern if you end up getting in that situation. And sadly, I don't know what the whole Big South RPIs are, but USC Upstate is higher than any other team in ECU's conference besides ECU as far as the RPI. So Campbell could get more of an RPI bump than ECU, which is sad. Yeah, I think the Big South was the 11th best league this year. Um, Campbell's strength of schedule is significantly behind ECU's. They ended up with the same number of wins. Obviously, they have the head-to-head. They don't have a home stadium to host on, so that's kind of, you know, that's going to be a difficult decision there. Um, Obviously, they can play it in Fayetteville, but, yeah, maybe you send Arkansas to Campbell since they also play in Fayetteville. (laughs) That would be confusing. (laughs) Uh, Chris Allen says I did not copy it, and quite frankly, I forgot that I asked that question. Well, Chris, you must really want to burn down Omaha. (laughs) (laughs) Or if it wasn't you, someone did. Somebody definitely asked that exact same question. There's a theme. (laughs) It was 100% Chris Allen. If not, then I'll cancel the podcast. Uh, Will there be a Bucks on the Pond party house if we don't host at the regional location? Will Buck Wild provide the party favors? Josh Hill wants to ask. (laughs) Buck Wild, where are you at? Lucy Jones, let us know. <laughs> if he's hosting the party, I'll be there. I'll be there too, hundred percent. I will call the police and collect the reward. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be at the regional, honestly, but maybe I'll phone in. Uh, I took that weekend off too. I'll probably be at the regional too. But yeah. hey, Buck Wild, join us there. All right, Kurt Cohn says a comment, not a question. Is that? As ECU baseball fans, we have a lot to be thankful for in what's considered to be a down year. We are a definite two seed. At worst, and still potentially a one seed in Greenville, we have a great coach. I mean, well said, Kurt. At the end of the day, it's hard to complain too much. No matter what happens in the next week, and I'll be the first to say it, I'll be the first to text you guys complaining about something during tomorrow's game. (laughs) But – then once we have time to let it sit, no matter what happens this week, ECU will be in postseason baseball. And that, my friends, is a lot better than it was the first few years after uh, or before Cliff Goblin took over when it was pretty miserable. So, yeah, 
Yeah. Not much to add. Great, great comment there. Uh, Chris Allen also wants to know, can I write him an excuse note for work so I can watch the game tomorrow? Yeah, let me know. Send me an email. I'll do my best. Uh, let's get through some of these because we're getting close to an hour. Robert says, who are the potential tournament bids from the AAC? No, none. No, zero. Zero. Houston is, Houston's RPI 96, Wichita's RPI 101. If they don't, if nobody from the American wins the tournament other than ECU, there is a negative chance that they make the tournament. Zero. Alone. If a team outside of ECU wins the AAC tournament, that probably means NC State doesn't make the tournament. So every cloud has a silver line. There you go. Stolen bid season. Yeah, nobody's getting that large except for East Carolina. Um, Bradley says, why were the Camels our kryptonite? Would they beat us in a weekend series? I don't, you know, I don't know. Just a tight, I feel like it's a really tight matchup. Two very similar yeah, teams. Two good and, teams, man. Like at the end of the day. Campbell always has some dudes, whether it's in the bullpen or on at the plate, they have some dudes. It's the best, probably the best competition this year we faced, I think. So they're just legit. They always are. And I respect the hell out of them. And it was just a tough series. And they won the three games, I think, by three combined runs. So sometimes that's just how it is. Their AC, strength is our strength, right? Or their yeah. strength is matches our strength. They're they can always going to be able to hit. We've pitched really well this year, and their pitching staff is a little weaker, but we were able to hit them. So, I mean, just two really good teams. I mean, two Omaha-caliber teams, I would say. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, EC lost three one-run games. Like, a couple plays here or there, if, if make a catch, get a hit, EC wins two out of three. So, I, I don't think we need to look at any – too much more than we have already. Um, all right, Brandon Carr says, I go nice old school shirt. The background looks great. Thank you. Scott, you could have done a little better with your shirt this week. What is it? This is my OG Bulldog Pride Butters oh, wow. Elementary School shirt. First of all, this shirt is like 20 years old. So this is from <laughs> when I was at Butnerstone Elementary School. And I'm pretty sure my dad got it for some sort of field trip or something like that and then he had a bunch of old shirts in a pile and he was like i'll throw these away if you want any so i snagged some like old 49ers and red stuff and then i saw this glorious bulldog pride shirt and i couldn't turn it out it is purple and gold so that's kind of cool and it says butter on it so butter pirate <laughs> that is pretty sick he said you must have been the pta president and has uh, i go <laughs> got you a htc shirt yet funny yes, you I- asked that <laughs> I uh, I did text Wags and Scott this week, and I said, "What's your address and T-shirt size?" Now here's the the catches: Am I really sending them a shirt, or am I just <laughs> BSing with them further? You know, that's true. He, he didn't give us a reason. He just said he just asked for our address, and we kind of left it at that. Yep. I assumed it was some, some sort of Christmas card. <laughs> you find out. Maybe nothing will ever arrive. You never know. Hey, I'm moving soon. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, then the, whoever takes over will get your uh, get next your person apparel. to walk through that door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whoever walks through that door next. Uh, Sam Anderson wants to know: Will Omaha burn to the ground if ECU makes it? What's up with y'all and burning things? Stop burning. <laughs> yeah, they're actually gonna play the game at the old stadium, so. Um, they're probably Rosenblatt. reading our chat, and the committee's going to ban us from going. <laughs> is Rosenblatt still standing? That's the name of it, right? Blatt, yeah. whatever it is. Rosenblatt. Rosenblatt. Was it now TD Ameritrade? Yep. yep. Disgusting. 
Disgusting. Uh, Kurt Cohn says, if, he, if Campbell hosted Fayetteville, there would be plenty of ECU fans there. Absolutely. It would be an ECU home game. How hilarious would it be if Campbell got the number one spot, but we as the two hosted them in Greenville? It would be pretty hilarious outside the fact it'd be a tough regional win because Campbell could basically just throw off and then throw their guy um, whose name escapes me right now. But Cooler. Yeah, Kate Cooler. So, yep. I think um, I think that would be a tough regional. I mean, Campbell hasn't seen you Savage or Groves. We haven't seen Cooler this year. So, that kind of uh, sums it up. Would be interesting regional, though. Uh, Sam Anderson, again, Big South says the double elimination four-team tournament could get a Campbell-Upstate rematch day two of the tournament. So this is where the Big South is just as smart as the American, or smarter, because they're just doing the top four teams, therefore going with the, the top four RPI teams, whereas the American is making ECU play South Florida again, which does nobody any favors. No. So that's Campbell – South Carolina Upstate, who is RPI 88. Gardner-Webb, who is RPI 150. And I guess they'll start off with Winthrop, who is RPI 154. Um, let's see here. And we would play USF, whose RPI is 175. So, yeah, I do agree, though. I think the, the four – Really, only four teams should make the tournament um, and just do a regional weekend-style tournament. Even that is kind of, like, excessive in my book. Um, you know, as much as we love to clown on the ACC, I think the way that they do it is the most fair if you're going to have 12 teams or whatever make it. Um, but the last thing you want to do is have your potential conference champion play six games and then end up just having a – just no one to pitch on the on the last game, and and you hope you win it, and then you have to go into a regional weekends with just an absolutely just exhausted team. So, yeah, I, the AAC tournament. Hopefully next year with more teams, it gets fixed a little bit. And even if you go to top six and have a play-in game, and then a you know a single elimination tournament, I think that's still better than what we have now. All right, last few questions. Somebody says, uh, how about this? Clemson wins the ACC tourney, gets the number four overall host. ECU wins the AAC tourney, gets the 13th seed. What a great super regional matchup if it played out. Yeah, that would be awesome. I think that would be great. Clemson, I know they're hot. I'm not scared of Clemson. Very winnable. I would be fine with Clemson over a lot of those potential national seeds. Um, not an easy game. Not an easy matchup, but I think winnable. Um, all right. A win says weather looking a little unsettled around noon Tuesday in Clearwater. Our game may be delayed. I haven't seen that. Shocker. Would, wouldn't be surprised, but it is Florida weather. N you never know what you're going to get there. So that will uh, that will change hour before first pitch. Uh, Kurt Collins says, I go, was it you or someone else that came out and said the Mudcats have already said no regionals could be hosted at their place? Somebody else said that. I don't know who it was. But if that's the case, I don't know where Duke's going to host. I guess on their crappy on campus stadium, if they even host. So I don't think I have to worry about it. Yeah. What about Greensboro? Did that make yeah. sense? Yeah. I mean, if I'm Duke, I don't want to do it further east. 
Right. Because if right. we end up there, then that's only going to be more difficult for them. And maybe you go west an hour and throw it in Greensboro. Sam Anderson adds Campbell and Gardner Webb play and then upstate and winter play day one. Gardner Webb beat Campbell earlier this year, right? Yeah, yeah. I believe they so. They won one game. Played them kind of tough. Yeah, they Campbell won four three, seven nothing, and then lost two to four. So go running Bulldogs. Bulldog pro <laughs> <laughs> The problem with Campbell at a double elimination tournament, man, I just don't see them losing twice because they're just gonna out hit everybody. Well, yeah. last year they lost a game early and then threw their their best pitcher like he pitched like 185 pitches that weekend because they knew they had to win it to get in because their RPI was bad. Yeah. All right, CAA has their top six teams play in the tournament, which is smart from an RPI standpoint for teams like UNCW and Northwestern. Yeah. Again, CAA, smart call there. And Johnny Robertson, final question, does anybody pay attention to the coaches' poll anymore? No. Not in baseball. The ECU baseball Twitter account. <laughs> That's it. That's the only one. Uh, screw collegiate baseball. Um, so, all right, we're at the end of the show. Last call for your predictions because we're about to make ours. Here's the deal. If you haven't made your prediction yet in the comments section on YouTube and Facebook, give us your pick on where you think EC will be this postseason and what seed. If you think they're going to host – let us know that they're going to host and what overall national seed will they be, 1 through 16. If they're going to be on the road, where do you think they'll be on the road at? If you get it correct, you'll win three months free VIP if you leave it on YouTube or Facebook. And if Jonathan Wagner or Scott Lorbacher get theirs correct, I will send them a T-shirt of their <laughs> <Let's> choosing. <go. laughs> That's... That's why I asked you guys earlier today. Not because two, I'm doing it for free. Two so we, got a polo. The official, we get a little bit nicer for sure. <laughs> All right. So let's go. Uh let's 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 go. What do y'all think will happen in the conference tournament and then your overall um prediction where ECU is slotted next week? We'll start, Jonathan. Oh wow. Um it's a loaded I think question. It is. I I'm going to I, I I'm I'm going to be the optimistic one this week because I'm going first. But I, I do believe ECU will not only win, but sweep the AAC tournament. And I think it's going to be very tight to be there, even if that happens. But in the end, I think the resume, the 45 and 15 double champion, I think <laughs> Buck Wild is in the chat. <laughs> Better late than never, Buck Wild. We missed you, buddy. But – so I just think that resume in the end is going to be too tough to deny. I think their committee will respect ECU, and I think they're going to host. I don't think they're going to be a high-end host, but I think they'll be the – I'll say number 15, number 15 host, if they sweep. And I'll say my bonus prediction for the end because I've been holding this one for about a week now. All right, uh, Scott, we'll go to you. Sorry, I spaced out there reading Buckwild. <laughs> Well, first I'll say that if you're putting your predictions in, make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and Facebook. Maybe that's the tiebreaker. If uh, Yeah, yeah, we forgot to mention. If you're not subscribed, I will go in, check your profile, and if you're not subscribed, you will be eliminated. So subscribe, like, comment now. <laughs> and uh, I think we win the conference tournament. I think we're playing too well not to right now. 
Um, however, I'll have us as the two seed at number 15, West Virginia. I think West Virginia makes a run to the Big 12 championship game um, and plays Texas. And both of them get host spots. And we play Randy Maisie for a right to advance to play Florida as the two seed. So you're going 45 when ECU gets shafted out of a host? It's time. We've got let, let the records. <laughs> that, that's what I wanted to do. I'm not going to lie. That's what I want. That's what my brain told me to do, but I couldn't do it. I was going first. I had to start it off on the right foot. You know? And I'm always wrong. So that helps too, right? There you go. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going ECU does not win the tournament. Sorry, guys. But I'm here for motivation. I think ECU gets to, I, th- I think they lose the winner's bracket game to either Cincinnati or UCF. You know, I say that, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, if they just win the first game, I think the pitching sets up so well they're not going to lose. So, you know, I'm going to go South Florida beats ECU tomorrow, and then ECU fights back, eliminates whoever out of the loser's bracket, gets to Saturday, but then, you know, goes 2-2 two and two in the tournament. I think that would put them at 2-2. And then there are two seed on the road at – Virginia and the Pirates. Once again, it seems like Virginia and ECU always get in the postseason together. I think ECU draws Virginia, and the Pirates are going to win in Charlottesville again. Way too early prediction because they probably won't even end up there. Uh, but that is my pick. I don't even feel good about it. I don't feel good about ECU going anywhere. <laughs> Maybe they will go to Auburn. Who knows? I mean, it just seems like I don't. there's not a slam. I like West Virginia, though, Scott. I feel like West Virginia – Host, ECU makes sense there. So yeah, absolutely. We'll see. All right, this has been fun. Oh, actually, we got it. We got a bonus I, prediction. Yeah, we all got to make a bonus prediction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wax, you know, this. yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this one off, and I think I I know I just predicted ECU to sweep the conference tournament, but when when I'm predicting that, I do not think it's gonna be blowouts by it by any standards. I think most games, if not all, are going to be close. And close enough to the fact that I think ECU will win two games this weekend or this week via the walk-off, whether it's a walk-off home run, walk-off base hit, walk-off walk, who knows? But and I could go, I could go even further and say who's going to get one of those. But I'm gonna just stop on my head. I was correct last week with my bonus prediction. Jake Hunter did not have a save going into the week, and I said one of our non-usual you guys know. would pick a save up, and Jake Hunter did it. So I'm looking to go two in a row. All right, Scott, do you have a bold prediction? Well, I wish I would have predicted Jake Hunter to throw 96 last week um, <laughs> because I don't think anybody saw that coming either. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with uh, Josh Moreland, most outstanding player of the AAC tournament, and uh, Danny Bill on the all-tournament team as a pitcher. He, he gets, They both get the love they deserve. All right, I am uh... – once again, I don't know where I'm going with this. I need to do better prep. Last week, I predicted Lane Hoover to hit for the cycle. I don't even know if he got four hits all week. Um, so, I tell you what, last year in the tournament, Jacob Jenkins Cowart made a sick diving catch and did a ball spike. I'm going to say that <laughs> Jacob Jenkins Cowart, I hate to even mention the word ball in the same sentence with him, but. There will be a scenario where Jacob Jenkins Carrot makes an outstanding play defensively or sliding into home or something. He'll get up and he will either A, spike the ball or spike his batting glove or his little oven mitt that he runs with. Hey, maybe his helmet. 
<laughs> Maybe his helmet. He's going to spike something in this tournament after an exciting play. And that is my bold prediction for this week. I don't even know where that came from, but uh, this is the only thing that came to mind. So the Hoover prediction didn't work out well. This probably won't either, but I like here it. we go. JJC spiking the Gatorade. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Um, if they go 0-2, he may need to really spike it. <laughs> on the bus. Yeah, on the bus. Right a different on. kind of spike. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas, this was awesome. Um, I'll try and go through the comments here now that we're done and wrapping up the show and get everybody's written down so that way I don't forget it. If for somehow I missed your prediction for next week's show and you get it right, let me know, and I'll have to go back and double-check. But I'll try and write them all down. That way I can verify whether we're cheating or not, or anybody's cheating. But uh, Wags has to get to his Canes third period. Scott's got to get back to uh, the Butner life. And I've got to uh, post this podcast. So I appreciate you guys uh, all season long. We're obviously still going to do this into the postseason, but it's been fun um, to the commenters, to Wags, to Scott. Wait, to Scott. Scott. <laughs> there you to go. Wags. And to the commenters. You guys can't see it. They are over there. Um, appreciate y'all. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. Maybe we'll do something Friday. On the Hoist the Color show, depending on what occurs with some guests, but we'll keep you guys updated on that. But at the least, we'll be back with you Monday uh, for the post bracket reveal. Wow, that'll be exciting. Y'all are good for next Monday, right? Even if it's a holiday? Oh, I'm there. Wouldn't miss it for the world, Steven. That's right. Yeah. I know you always try to get out of it. So, all good. (laughs) All right. We got to sign off. All right, it's been fun. This has been Hoist the Colors, the podcast. We'll be back with you next time. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.